You're listening to Air IQ, a field controls podcast. Welcome to Air IQ. I'm your host, Sean Heath. You know, in business and in our personal lives, we spend an awful lot of time and money trying to keep the inside in and the outside out. In our homes and our businesses, weather stripping on doors and windows, triple pane windows even to keep out sound and bugs. Uh, We really put a lot of effort into trying to separate those two spaces. Here's the thing. You can't actually completely separate those two. It would actually be dangerous. Today, we're going to take just a few minutes to talk to an expert on some of those dangers and explain why it's not such a bad idea to have the inside and the outside work together. My guest on the podcast today is the Midwest Regional Manager for Field Controls, Tim Bogoski. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing well, Sean. Thank you. I'm very excited today to talk about a topic that... I don't talk about very often, but you probably are aware of every single day, and that is makeup air. Can you please break that down for me? Sure. That's actually an excellent question also. What happens is that we have several exhaust devices within our home. That could be your kitchen exhaust, your bathroom fan, a microwave that's vented outdoors, your clothes dryer, uh, possibly a central vacuum sweeper. Then you have the... uh, the exhaust pipes from your furnace, boiler, or water heater that may also be taking air outdoors. So everything's taking air outdoors. Nothing's bringing it back in. So what takes place is that you have a pressure differential in the building so that the building is slightly negative compared to outdoors. Well, what happens then is that air migrates into the space from places that may not be so friendly from a healthy perspective, such as the garage when you open the door and walk in and all the fumes from the garage, from the evaporation of gasoline or hydrocarbons from your automobile, not from running, but just actually sitting there and off-gassing, migrate into the building. Or the evaporation of the gasoline from your weed whackers, lawnmowers, and snowblowers. You have pesticides and fertilizers, and those toxins migrate into the occupied space, slowly pickling the family every night, and you don't even realize it. It sounds like the challenge is we want air to come in, but we want to completely control from where that air comes. Precisely. Uh, Having air from a known source that is far less likely to have contaminants in in it, <clears throat> and then also uh, driving that through the HVAC appliance to heat it, cool it, humidify it, dehumidify it, filter it, and then bring it into the space, far more healthier for the occupants, and the house visibly actually gets cleaner. If you do it correctly, the particulate volume that is in the house, typically seen from dusting, will visibly be reduced. And in parallel, the chemicals that you can't see will also be reduced. Is there more than one way to to control the air return? Well, not so much the air return as it is the air from the outside in the replacement or making up the air 
that you have exhausted. Hence why it's called make up air. And I would imagine that there's uh, all kinds of calculations and algorithms that go into uh, when you're deciding the proper balance uh, for square footage, um, uh, attic space. You must do just a ridiculous amount of, of math. Well, that's one way of doing it, or we can simplify it a little bit and that we could actually have uh, a current sensor, a pressure switch, or some other device to uh, monitor when those devices are in the on position and actually active, displacing air from the building, and then drive that back to a central control that would open a damper to offset that volume. The key here is, is to not put too much in to where it causes your energy bill to go up, but to put enough in to offset any toxins and pressure differential that's taking place within the building. Is that something that has to be mechanically forced, or is it something that can happen through, um, I want to say osmosis, that's not exactly the right phrase, I don't think, is it? Passive. Passive, thank you, yes. Uh, Is there a a way to set it up so it can be mostly passive? I'm assuming that's what the sensors are for. They determine if you need just a little help, but otherwise you probably set it up so it's relatively organic. Ideally, you want to set it up so that you could utilize the fan in the HVAC appliance so that when it's in a run mode that we can actually have a little additional pressure to bring a larger volume in over a shorter period of time. Uh, Allowing it to come in passively would be like if you open a window, but then if you open a window and it's in the springtime and we have a a lot of pollen in the air, that could negatively impact individuals that may have uh, a respiratory condition due to the allergic reaction to the pollen. That makes sense. If you're going to go to the expense of controlling and conditioning the temperature of the air, it makes sense that the quality of the air would be equally important. Absolutely. We are what we breathe, not just what we eat. (laughs) Now, you mentioned, I want to go back to something you mentioned when you were talking about um, all of the um, chemicals uh, in uh, the garage air. You know, every state has some differing uh, level of qualification for things that are legal, things that are healthy, things that are unhealthy. And that's just in the 50 states. I would imagine that international standards are probably even more varied. Could be more complex. What uh, is taking place is that quite often we don't realize the gasoline in our automobiles and all of our other combustion devices are actually uh, evaporating. And when they evaporate, what takes place is that we have benzene associated with those chemicals. You know, I always thought that the estimated miles per gallon of my car wasn't accurate, and now I know why. I never really thought about it. I just thought when you put the gas cap on, done. The gas stays in my car until it's burned through the engine, but that's not the case. Uh, not at all. You have the uh, that evaporation factor, and the concern is the benzene. Then you have your oil. If you had an oil leak or you have your power steering fluid, you have your windshield washer solvent, and you also have your antifreeze. So you have all these things that over time can migrate out of the vehicle. And when it's warmed up, it's about three or four hours 
that it takes for that to come down to minimize that off-gassing process. Tim, I'm going to be honest, I didn't realize I was driving a sponge around town. Um, Let's talk for a moment about, I don't want this to get dark, but let's talk about the health concerns. You mentioned benzene a couple of times. That's not a great thing to be breathing in. Uh, Carcinogen. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) So it's just that simple. Yeah. Well, what I would like to uh, talk about is maybe a project or two that you're especially proud of. I know you are pretty much a 365-day-a-year guy. When a customer needs you, you're there. That's just that's the, the role that you have chosen, and, and you're a find-a-way, make-a-way kind of guy. I would like to talk about some projects that really make it worth it. Can you can you tell me a story or two about a project that you worked on that you're especially proud of? Well, I had a, a friend that has been in the industry for, oh, well over 20 years. Well, I'm going on 50, so he's got to be at least 35 years in the business. And uh, I wasn't aware of it, but his wife was bedridden. And they really couldn't nail everything down why she was bedridden so often. So I offered uh, of putting some instruments within his home to look at particles, chemicals, temperature, humidity, and carbon monoxide. Uh, we left that in there for four or five days. And when I got it back, I noticed the particles were quite high. And the chemicals at times were 100 times higher than what was safe for human occupancy. Uh, that did raise a concern immediately. And so I asked to come over to look at his system. And he had a good filter, and he had fresh air, and he left his blower out all the time. However, they weren't installed correctly. So you had bypass on the filter where it could go around the filter rather than through it. And the fresh air wasn't set up right. And the chemicals were basically from the evaporation of gasoline into the garage space that was migrating up into the upper portion of the building and into the bedroom where his wife was bedridden. So the system was actually actively bringing the gases into the home because someone had bypassed the filter. Uh, Bypassed the filter was the particle portion of it. The makeup air ventilation air not working correctly uh, based on exhaust devices in the building and stratification changes in the building would migrate the uh, benzene or the gasoline vapors and other things in the garage into the occupied space. Pressure differential. That doesn't seem to be high quality workmanship to me. Uh, Nice home, uh, you know, in the 300,000 plus range. Uh, spotless when you walked into it, but not understanding the dynamics of the building because th- this this home was built a little while ago back in the, uh, I want to say the, the 80s, the late 70s, but not understanding how those things migrate from the garage space into the occupied space uh, can definitely have a negative impact on our health. Now, you had another situation just last year in Indiana. Do you know the story that I'm talking about? I do. Can you tell me that? Sure. I uh, I had did a presentation on indoor air quality for uh, a group of individuals in the Granger Engine 
Indiana uh, area, which is not too far from South Bend. And an individual came up to me and said that her and her son periodically would be sick. And she was asking for my uh, input. So I, I suggested that we put an instrument in the home. So we placed that in there for four or five days again, and I saw high chemicals again, and a, a rise in the particles. So with that application, we installed an upgraded filtration system and made sure that we couldn't bypass the filter, that all the air went through the filter. And then we brought in ventilation and makeup air, which in turn then offset the pressure in the building and we had a dramatic reduction in chemicals, and her and her son hadn't been sick since. It was the gasoline odors and fumes that were migrating in from the garage space that was negatively impacting their, their health. As you see this story repeat itself over and over, do you start to become more and more a fan of the future of electric vehicles? Um, I'd say they're coming. Uh, there's some shortcomings with electric vehicles still, but they are on the way. Uh, I would say that if, if we better understand the dynamics of our building, that we would uh, have a more positive impact to our occupants. Even with an electric vehicle, you have to realize there's, uh, there's batteries that require charging and they'll be off-gassing of acids in that uh, recharge process into that space that could still migrate into the building. So we need to understand the buildings we live in better, provide proper ventilation and make up air to offset the potential dangers that are in our attached garage unknowingly. So we go from benzene to acid. Tim, that doesn't make me feel a whole heck of a lot safer. Bring the air in the house, control where it comes from, don't have a big pressure differential, and everything in the building uh, will work as designed. Now, one of the things that you do at Field Controls, I know that everything you design, every system that you create, you follow the International Residential Code. You, you keep that in mind in everything that you do. Do you think that that code is strong enough? Do you think all future technologies will start to adhere even more closely to that code? How do you feel about that? Well, the code is a minimum, and they're, uh, they're becoming more aware that as you tighten up the new buildings, that they require ventilation and in certain circumstances make up air. We have a, a large population of existing homes that at the time complied with the code, and as we thought, were well-constructed, uh, you know, homes for the era or for the times. What we didn't understand was the impact of everything else and how it can negatively impact the building and the occupants, which we learned through building science. So as we move forward and we learn more, then the standards and the codes will become more stringent to best fit the population that are utilizing those buildings. Yeah, and it really is sort of a crucial element. Air seems to be somewhat important to life. Uh, we are uh, 
big carbon bags of water, and we <laughs> and we definitely utilize uh, a considerable amount of air every day. That seems like a lot of daily stress for you, my friend, so I'm not going to keep you too long, but I do want to ask, is there a question you were sure that I was going to ask today that I missed? No, I thought that uh, you were quite thorough in bringing up uh, the different questions and spins on how people may interpret what we are talking about. Uh, calling me thorough, that's one of the nicest things anyone has ever said about my tendency to overtalk. So thank you very much. My grandmother would be very thankful that you were so kind. Very good, Sean. Uh, pleasure speaking with you as always. Today, my guest on the podcast, Tim Bogoski, the Field Controls Midwest Regional Manager. Tim, thank you so much. I certainly have appreciated it, and I know I'll have a chance to talk to you again down the road. Have a wonderful day. You do the same. Thank you. Thank you.